0: We are back with another very delayed episode. This is episode 7. Usually my scheduling allows for uploads Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. It's not Saturday. Uh, I'm filming this Monday. I might save this for Tuesday. Either way, it's a delayed episode. Really not too much news to talk about. In sports the last couple days. However, we have some really, really bold words coming out of the mouth of Jimmy Garoppolo. Stuff like that coming up in the show. Also, just a lot of MLB trade rumors. Going to talk about guys who are on the hot seat in the NFL. Coaches. And then Earl Thomas. What's the deal with him? Is he going to uh, report to training camp? All that stuff's coming up, but first I want to talk about something that went very much so under the radar, not a lot of people talking about it. Carmelo Anthony signed with the Houston Rockets today, and I just want to say that this move is not very smart for Houston. To me, it feels like they're trying to create something that is not meant to be, they Lost Trevor Ariza to, I believe it was Phoenix, this offseason. And they've gone out, and to me, they've just created a gigantic problem in their locker room. And this problem is Carmelo himself. We look at the teams that he's been on in his career. The Denver Nuggets, he had problems there. He goes to the Knicks. There was problems there. He goes to Oklahoma City. Problems there. It seems like wherever Carmelo Anthony goes, there is a problem, and it's himself. Carmelo has never been a team guy. He's been about personal accolades. He doesn't care about the well-being of the team. Carmelo could accept the fact that he is really more of a a bench player at this point in his career, But he's not going to do that. Because that goes against his ego. That goes against who he is as a person. He wants to be the star. He wants to be the star on a winning team. And I'm surprised the Rockets have even given him a shot. See, the Rockets, they're reaching. They really are. They couldn't get LeBron. It's just, it's an issue. They couldn't keep Ariza. Carmelo Anthony is almost their last hope. They're like, please, Carmelo, save us, please. And I'm going to tell you something right now. Carmelo Anthony is not the answer. He's not the guy you really want to be your last hope. He's not that good. He had one of his worst seasons last year. Now, could he very well have a resurgence with Chris Paul and James Harden? And all the personnel on the Rockets. Of course. Of course he could. But it just seems so unlikely. And I think that the Rockets actually do not benefit from this at all. I think they've gotten worse. But in the end of the day, does it really matter what the Rockets do? Because we already know who's going to come out of the West. Right now, all the Rockets are competing for is... Who gets to play the, the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals? That's it. Right? One year it's OKC, one year it's Houston. You know, who's it going to be next? It's like, that's what people are playing for now in the West. Because no one, and I mean no one, is going to beat a star-studded team with Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, and Boogie Cousins. You're just not going to beat that team. You can try. I'd like to see you give it your best shot. It's going to take injuries. It's going to take, you know, clubhouse or, or excuse me, locker room collapses. It's going to take a lot to beat this team. I mean, we've even heard the Warriors say it. Oh, you know, Draymond and us didn't always have... You know, the best chemistry, or you know, Katie and Draymond get it got into it a couple times, blah blah blah. It doesn't matter. These guys could literally hate each other and they'll still win games because they're just that good. That's it. And the Rockets right now, they're doing their best. They're reaching out. Carmelo, save us. Save what? Second place in the Western Conference standings again. It's It's unbelievable. If I was Carmelo Anthony, I would have gone to the Warriors for nothing. I would have said, hey, I'm old. I'll play off the bench. I'll get a ring. Why not, right? I mean, what's the point? Put your pride to the side. But see, Carmelo would never do that. Carmelo isn't, he's not the type of guy to put his pride to the side and say, hey, you know, I want to win a ring. That's never been who Carmelo is, and that's never going to be who he is. He will never be that guy who just accepts the fact that he's not as good as he once was. And yeah, you know, he had problems in Denver. Yeah, he had problems in New York, but he could have had problems there because he was good. He's not good anymore. At this point, if you're still having problems, you are a locker room cancer, and you're somebody who... Quite honestly, probably shouldn't be on an NBA roster anymore. Plain and simple. Anyways, enough talk about Carmelo. We actually have some NHL news that's pretty exciting. So I don't know if you guys have seen the brand new Anaheim Ducks uniforms. But they are incredible. They are beautiful uniforms. These things are amazing. They brought back the vintage Mighty Duck logos. And these uniforms are just sick. They're black. They have, you know, teal, silver. If you guys have not seen the image, go check it out. Now, they only intend to have these jerseys for this year only. It's it's like a 25th anniversary special for the Ducks. And they're going to wear them 15 times. 15 times that is a lot of times to wear a uniform that is not your home or away that really is in the NHL but it's clearly the focal point it it serves as a throwback and an alternate for the ducks and it's a pretty uniform i mean adidas mastered this thing at first when i when i first got a glance at this thing i was like you know that thing's kind of ugly I feel like they kind of overdid it, they didn't really use the vintage colors, but the more and more that I stared at this thing, the more and more beautiful it got. I mean, I was truly in love with these uniforms the minute that I saw these things. I just kind of wanted to throw that in there, because if you haven't seen them yet, go give them a look. I know that's kind of free promotion to the Ducks, but seriously, those things are gorgeous. So... Enough of that, I kind of want to go to the key storyline, something that's been talked about a lot on social media today. It's a little bit of a clickbait story, but Jimmy Garoppolo said it nonetheless. He was quoted in a Bleacher Report article saying he is better than Brady and they wanted to kill each other at times, Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and Tom Brady did. And you would think that this is a little bit shocking considering, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo seems like such a humble young kid. Tom Brady seems like, you know, a humble beast that he is. But you hear so many mixed stories about the New England Patriots. And it kind of started last season when the 49ers signed defensive end Cassius Marsh he played the full season, and then basically he came out with some claims saying that, oh, you know, the the 49er way is better, that the Patriots, they basically treated everyone like we were kids, like I'm not a grown man, blah, 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 all this stuff. And then so it really became a topic of discussion. They would ask all these former NFL players, like, how was it? And then Danny, Danny Amendola recently commented on it, and he's like, well, you know, you feel like you're a, a kid, and Belichick's the teacher, and that's kind of the relationship a little bit, and he says it's a good and bad relationship, whatever, and then James Harrison commented on it, and he said, you know, okay, well, Pittsburgh was really loose, so it all just, it, it depends on where you come from, your perspective, Right. Like for Amendola, he was in that teacher system for several years and then he escaped it and now he feels so much more free. With James Harrison, he was in that free system for so many years, but now he likes the more restrictive, tighter ship kind of law. Jimmy wasn't a fan. He didn't want to be a part of the Brady in Belichick regime. He didn't like it. There's a reason why he's coming out with these claims. He felt stuck. He felt hopeless, right? I mean, he wanted to beat Brady out. And I'm not mad at him saying he's going to be better than Brady, blah, 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 whatever. Is it outlandish? Absolutely. I mean, Brady's the greatest of all time, but you want your quarterback to say, I'm going to be better than the greatest of all time. If your quarterback isn't saying that, he lacks confidence. He's somebody who's not reaching high enough. I'm totally fine with Jimmy Garoppolo coming out and saying this because it proves to me he's going to be an incredible leader in the NFL. Now, as for the claims that him and Brady wanted to kill each other, that's the competitor in both of them. These are probably two of the most competitive people on a football field. Jimmy Garoppolo, he's the hungry lion. He's coming up, you know, he's the pride of the tribe. He's trying to come up, make a name for himself. He's coming after the chief. Well, Brady's the chief and he wants to hold down his land as long as possible. So the competitor in both of them, I guess, essentially makes them want to, quote, kill each other, unquote. But... I just don't, I I don't take this to heart. I don't really think that Garoppolo believes he's better than Brady, whatever. It's motivation for him. He's trying to reach the top. This is what you want your quarterback to say. I think this got way too many headlines. I mean, and it's rightfully so. It should have got a lot of headlines, but it's just, it's a little bit... It throws you off a little bit. It's a little bit discouraging that they use clickbait titles like this to get reads. But what he said is what he said. Bottom line. And I'm fine with it. I'm totally fine with Garoppolo saying this about Brady. But that being said. Everyone wants to see at this point now. A 49ers versus Patriots match. Can we get a game? 49ers versus Patriots. Why was that not on the schedule? Garoppolo versus Brady. I mean, unless this thing is a Super Bowl match, I don't think we're ever going to see that happen. I just don't think that by the glory of the gods, the NFL schedule gods, they will give us Brady versus Garoppolo. And maybe they will in a year or so, but how much longer does Brady really have left? I mean, he could do something tomorrow and say, hey, you know, I want to retire. So please, NFL scheduling gods, give us Garoppolo versus Brady, because this this matchup would be far too entertaining to pass up if it came on TV. Just please, we're begging you. Alright, for the next segment, I want to talk about a report that doesn't seem really important right now, but it could prove to be very important in the future, so there's been no indication if Seahawks safety Earl Thomas will report for training camp, and you might be like, why is this significant if you've never heard about the news? Well, Earl Thomas all, you know, former All-Pro, Super Bowl champion, and right now he's the heart and soul of that Seattle Seahawks defense because there's not a whole lot there. Sherman's on the 49ers, Cam Chancellor retired, uh, Michael Bennett got shipped out to the Eagles, so there's not a whole lot there. He's the heart and soul of that team right now on the defensive side of the football, and him not reporting to camp could prove significant in potential trade spots specifically the Dallas Cowboys he's proved that he wants to be a cowboy it sparked last season when he said uh, after the game to coach Jason Garrett someone got it on film he said hey if you get the chance go get me something along those lines and it broke the internet everyone was like what the hell just happened Earl Thomas didn't comment on it much during the middle of the season. But it's the offseason now and stuff is going crazy. He's not, you know, There's no, there's been no indication if he reports to camp. He might be holding out for a trade to Dallas. Maybe he's unhappy in Seattle as a lot of players are right now. And the thing with With Dallas is one of Earl Thomas' teammates came out saying, everyone knew Earl loved the Cowboys, we just didn't know how much. Well, this is how much he's willing to possibly ignore training camp with Seattle and hold out for a potential trade. That's how much he loves Dallas. I'm just saying, it doesn't look too big right now just because there's, you know, no indication. But trust me, this is a story that if you come back to it in three, four, five, six weeks from now, this might prove pivotal in a Earl Thomas trade to Dallas or not. My last segment of discussion is going to be quite the long one. We're going to be talking about five NFL coaches Who are on the hot seat right now. And we got a good list here. I think these are all guys probably deserving of being on the hot seat. As, you know, unfair as that is to say for me, I'm just a critic. These guys are, you know, working hard every day. But the hot seat's the hot seat. The NFL's a business. So let's jump right on in. So the first one I think most deserving is Hugh Jackson. I think in his first season, I believe he was 1-15 in last year. They didn't even win a game, although they did get close a couple times. But the bottom line is they did not win a game last season. One of the first teams to have a winless season since the 07 Detroit Lions. But if they can't win with this team, he should be fired. I mean, I think Hugh Jackson's floor on how many wins they are expecting is at least three I mean you need at least three wins with this team you got Tyrod Taylor Jarvis Landry you drafted some good rookies Miles Garrett is in his second year the Browns are a slept on team a little bit I think they could probably pull out six wins but the bottom line is if you don't win three to four games this year Hugh Jackson your butt's going to be on the hot seat for many years to come. My second name on this list is Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach Dirk Cutter. And this guy, to me, is probably gone no matter what because you're missing your starting quarterback for the first three games, so that's not going to help you very much. But they have a very talented roster, but it seems as though they can't pull it together. They've got a lot of talented guys. You know, Jameis Winston isn't that bad of a quarterback. He's top half of the league, I would say. Mike Evans, he's an elite receiver. Levante David on defense. Gerald McCoy. It's a talented group, and it shouldn't be a group that only wins, you know, five, six, seven games. It should be a team that gets closer to nine or ten. And that's a loaded NFC South, by the way, that they're playing in. So I understand that if they lose a couple games to those teams, but Dirk Cutter, he's not been impressive in the years that he's been there. So if you're the Tampa Bay Bucks, I think it's in your best interest to part ways with this guy. I think he's probably the most likely to lose his job out of any coach I put on this list. But... That being said, Hugh Jackson hasn't won a whole lot of games, so I had to put Hugh Jackson ahead of Dirk Cutter on this list. My third coach is Marvin Lewis. There's not much to talk about about this guy. The Cincinnati Bengals are not that good of a team. They've been stuck with the same two guys in their regime for like ever. Andy Dalton, Marvin Lewis, get rid of them both start fresh because these are two guys they're that are just they're not that good you know Dalton is not a playoff caliber quarterback and Marvin Lewis we know what what Marvin Lewis brings to the table he's been there way too long and last year when there was like a report that he got fired and then he was like unfired like it was a weird situation but Bottom line is he should not be coaching that team anymore. They need to go into a different direction. They need to start rebuilding their team. They need to start committing to the rebuilding phase. 150%. My next two are probably shots in the dark here. I'll just say both of them right now. Number four, I put Jake Gruden. And number five, I put John Harbaugh. And these guys are both shots in the dark but I do feel like both of them can happen. I think it's reasonable. Look, John Harbaugh and his Ravens have underperformed the last two or three years. Joe Flacco's not too good. I would give Lamar Jackson the reins if Flacco, if the, if the wheels fell off of Flacco. But I could see John Harbaugh not doing that. And that's the reason why I think he could go. Also... I don't think Lamar Jackson necessarily fits John Harbaugh's system. That offensive system, it just I don't think it suits Lamar Jackson. So I think if they got a more offensive-minded head coach, then I think that the Ravens would be better off. Also, I think the end of the Flacco and Harbaugh regime would be in the best interest of the Ravens. So I think that this one is... It's, again, it's a shot in the dark, but it's one that could happen, absolutely. Now, my final one, the John Gruden pick, or excuse me, the Jay Gruden pick. John Gruden, totally safe. He will not get fired in his first year. Jay Gruden of the Washington Redskins. He's been there, I think at this point, like five seasons now, maybe four, maybe even more than that. I don't really know but he let Kirk Cousins walk, and I know it's not really his fault, but it's part of his fault, I guess you could say. You could place the blame on him a little bit. Jordan Reed doesn't stay healthy. Alex Smith is good. He'll win games, but how many is going to be the question? Is Darius Geis a three-down back? There's just a lot of question marks surrounding the Washington Redskins as a team, and it might be in Washington's best interest to move on at the end of the season or maybe even in the middle now Alex Smith should protect Jay Gruden from that I think Alex Smith is actually a little bit better than Kirk Cousins in my opinion that being said however it's going to rely a lot on is Alex Smith going to play good is Jordan Reed going to stay healthy guys like that are going to determine Jay Gruden's job security, because I don't really feel right now like he's very secure. So yeah, that's basically it. That was my final segment, but I'll run through some quick MLB rumors, because I know I didn't really touch on that today. The Mets price for DeGrom seems to be very high. Carlos Martinez has been opened up on the market a little bit. I think that's more of a bluff, but if they get a great offer, I think the Cardinals would take it. There's been a lot of rumors on if the Nationals should trade Harper now or just hold on to him. The Rockies are going to be scouting the Orioles, Kevin Gossman and Dylan Bundy. There's a lot of teams in on Zach Britton. Astros still seem to be the main suitor. However, Diamondbacks are pushing hard. That's pretty much it. Thank you guys for watching. I want to say this is episode 7. If this is episode 7, cool, I nailed it. If not, I apologize. But thank you all so much for listening. I appreciate it. Write me a review. Leave me a 5-star rating. It helps the channel a lot. Thank you so, so much. And enjoy the rest of your guys' day. Later.